This is the Mizzou Sports Podcast, presented by the Columbia Daily Tribune. Welcome to another Mizzou Sports Podcast. My name is Eric Blum, breaking down Mizzou Sports with you every week here on the show. Joining me, as always, is the Tribune's Langston Newsom. How are you doing, Langston? Absolutely fantastic. Excited to be back here in the podcast studio. Where would you like to start this week? The draft. It's the number one thing on everyone's mind. And we went from maybe about a month ago thinking that Nick Bolton was going to be a first-round pick. And then now there's a little bit more uncertainty about that. Yeah, Nick Bolton kind of, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong. It just kind of with how the domino effect of the draft, I think more than anything else, has kind of shifted more so to his more set second rounder. But I think there's definitely still a chance Nick can go late in the first round. Uh, for those who don't know, tomorrow is the NFL draft. Uh, first round is Thursday the 29th. Then next two rounds will be on Friday. And then the final four rounds will be on Saturday. Uh, Nick Bolton, unless something goes terribly wrong, will be the first Mizzou player off the board. I kind of have him taking anywhere from 25 to 42. Uh, but if he slips a little further, I wouldn't be too shocked. Uh, Tyree Gillespie will probably be the next one off the board. Rounds three, four, maybe even five. His 40 time really cemented that he will be drafted and make a team happy, you know, with how much he can, you know, hit and run around and all of that stuff. Uh, Larry Borum, I expect to go. I expect him to be somewhere five or probably six seven uh larry roundtree josh bledsoe kind of lingering around a little bit i think that roundtree more so is hurt by his position more so than his ability and joshua bledsoe was hurt since pretty much the senior bowl so what are your thoughts langston where do you think kind of the guys i just mentioned are gonna go yeah it's interesting you you mentioned kind of the fall of bolton not really being a his fault more is you know it seems especially you know this year offensive driven especially in the top 10 you've got michael parsons out of penn state that could possibly be the first defender off the board i see him falling out of the top 10 maybe uh caleb farley or patrick sertan goes in the top 10 at the cornerback position but as a whole you look at this being an extremely weak ed- edge class extremely weak uh tackle class i i see probably be one being taken maybe christian barmore late first round possibly more likely to be a second round pick and you kind of look at just how the league has totally shifted the defensive players have been extremely devalued when you look at probably the top 15 when you look at this draft yeah i I agree with you there it's it's just quarterback and then everything else i mean i think the only player that really was exempt to kind of that fall might it might have been kyle pitts the florida tight end that's maybe it i mean there's some talk that there might be with teams trading up and trading around the first five players off the board might all be quarterbacks and i think that's kind of due to having a strong quarterback class and the best probably prospect since Andrew Luck and Trevor Lawrence coming off but it's also due to need just quarterbacks all the time I mean there's of the teams choosing and I think the first 20 picks I mean eight of them really need a quarterback and I mean it's never been more clear that in the NFL if you don't have a good quarterback you know you, you, you have no shot at winning a Super Bowl and I mean there's only probably 10 11 12 teams that have a solid starter that aren't probably looking to upgrade at some point i would think yeah and and when talking about larry ranchy as well it's unfortunate for him that over the last few years there's been a, a devaluing of running backs especially when you look at uh, jacksonville last year when they get a james robinson undrafted and he's able to really carry that load and it's really going to be there uh, every down back this year with trevor lawrence because um, he's expected to go number one and when you look at larry Roundtree 10 years ago does he get drafted probably uh, oh yeah, yeah. Five he's, years ago, he's a he's a good running back, so he can make things happen in the passing game as well. But now it's just there's so many available running backs. Why use a, a third or fourth round pick on someone that you know you can pick up and uh, as a, a free agent? Yeah, that that, and that stinks to say. I mean, basically you need to be Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley, and I don't know if there's a guy like that in this draft. You've got Najee Harris and you've got Travis Etienne, who are both extremely decorated in, in college football, and they might not be first-round picks. Uh, again, that's I don't I know both those guys are really good. I mean, Najee I think was third on my Heisman ballot. Uh, no, that, uh, no, it was Mac Jones. Never mind. Wait, no, actually, no, it was Najee Harris. I'm sorry, that was a whole journey. No, I, I, I went I went Devonte Smith one, Kyle Trask two, Najee Harris three. That's what I did, and so. 
you look at just that progression, and you mentioned Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, and it's like, yeah, in a normal year, maybe they go first round, but there's, I don't think there's a shot. Maybe late is a guy kind of trying to swoop in like Baltimore did a couple years ago with Lamar Jackson. Just one of those things, and that's really it. Um, as far as the teams that they might go to, I mean, it's a little bit hit and miss in terms of predicting where these guys might go from Missouri. I mean, Nick Bolton's been heavily linked with seven to eight teams, and I know he's probably talked to almost every team in the league. I know that at Missouri's Pro Day a little over a month ago, it was the Steelers who ran his workout, and the Steelers who talked to his agent that day right in front of us, but there's probably been moments like that that's happened consistently. So, you know, just as a Redskins fan myself, it'd be nice to see him be able to go to the Redskins. I'd be very happy with that. Learning under a Ron Rivera, who obviously played with the Chicago linebackers of the 80s, Mike Singletary, but you kind of look at just where he would fit, and that's the best thing about Nick Bolton is what team couldn't use another linebacker who can play as efficiently as him. Yeah, and I'm happy you brought that up, especially about the Washington football team. But when you think about what Nick Bolton can do, and the same thing with Larry Roundtree, every team could use a player like that. But unfortunately, you're going to see them drop it with Roundtree, ultimately probably not getting drafted. But, you know, we've got – I've seen um, – Bolton drafted as high in mocks as 37 to the Eagles. He could drop down to the 50s. But like you said earlier off, uh, off recording, you know, you'd expect there to kind of be a run on a guy like Bolton before before the, the 50 mark early in there in the second round. Yeah, if Bolton goes past 42, I'd be a little a little shocked. Usually that's kind of a thing that happens at the end of the first round, being in the second round. Addressing who the playmakers, the, maybe the not the day one starters, but the day one contributors on special teams and all that at the NFL level, who are still on the board and you need a target. And Bolton, at the worst, is one of those guys. So, And I think for many teams that are prioritizing offense this year, he is one of those guys. So if Bolton doesn't go by 42, maybe slips. I mean, Drew Locke slipped, slipped I think, 44-43 in, in a year with you know a couple talented quarterbacks. Not that many. It was two years ago. Uh, you know, just, And just looking at the other stout guys that Missouri has had recently, you know, Alberto was a fourth-round guy. Jordan Elliott was a third-round guy. I, mean, I think the Missouri's last first round draft pick was Charles Harris, if I'm not mistaken, in 2017. So it's been a little while. Missouri's had at least one player drafted since every draft since 2005, which I looked up today. And I was a little shocked that it was actually that long, not too long ago. I think it was the 2009 2010 draft where they had six players chosen. That was tied for fourth overall, which is crazy for a school like Missouri. Uh, but yeah, it should be interesting to see where Nick goes. It should be interesting to see where the rest of them fall. And I think. What the crazy thing about was last year, not only because of COVID, but because of Missouri's roster, it was such a heavy, heavy free agent frenzy where I think I counted eight guys who played on the 2019 roster who, you know, then eventually signed with a free agent contract. And I'm going to miss somebody. I'm going to try and get all eight off the top of my head. Let's go. Yasir Durant, Tristan Colon-Castillo, Trevor Wallace-Sims, Kelly Bryant, Jonathan Johnson, Kel Garrett, Tucker McCann, and of course, I'm at seven. And I guess there were nine. Rennell Perkins and DeMarcus Hasey. So there were nine. Uh, probably should change that in my story now that I'm thinking about it. I think we have eight online. I'll go change that as soon as we're done recording this. Uh, but, you know, now that, now that you know, you see, you've seen that frenzy and now that you have that kind of just, you know, ability to just see what the draft is like, I wouldn't like, take it as a negative that a guy like Roundtree or a Bledsoe doesn't get drafted necessarily. Definitely no. It's it's definitely not a, a negative, especially when you talk about Bledsoe having injuries after the season as well. It it really is less, and especially with this year with all the unknowns, teams not getting medical data from every single person involved in that. You're you're counting on pro days and the ridiculous forty numbers that are going on. There's so much. There's a lack of information, even though from a public standpoint. We probably feel bombarded with all these takes and all these mocks and all these things like that. But when it comes to the NFL teams, this is the least amount of information that they probably ever had. So to see quality players probably not get drafted because there's some type of injury concern or because there's some type of health concern is not going to be surprising after we leave this weekend. Yeah, I think that that's a good place to where we can go into our special guest for this week. We had ABC 17's Andrew Kaufman join us, and uh, he kind of gave his thoughts on a lot of different conversations. We talked for a little bit longer than a usual guest does because we're buds off of this, and uh, nice to always catch up with a good friend uh, that's been vaccinated after uh, you know everything going on with COVID. But, but without further ado, here's my special guest for this week, Andrew Kaufman. 
joining the Mizzou Sports Podcast this time is the sports director for ABC 17 KMIZ and I think the Fox affiliate in Columbia too, right? Can't forget about Fox 22 KQFX, all of the networks in Mid-Missouri. <laughs> uh, that's who signs my paychecks. Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't recognize his velvety voice, it is Andrew Kaufman. Uh, he's been in Columbia for longer than I have, obviously. Just why don't you give people a quick rundown of who you are? Yeah, so I, I went to Mizzou. Uh, I, I got to Mizzou in the fall of 2011. Or, yeah, it was fall of 2011. And then I graduated in May of 2015. Uh, and uh, then I got a job at, as the weekend sports anchor at, at KMIZ right out of college. I started a week after I graduated uh, under the great Austin Kim, who was a, a great mentor for me growing up, um, and uh, especially in college. And uh, that's kind of how I, I landed the job there. I had that great connection with him, and I always wanted to work for him. And it just it just worked out, um, and I got really lucky. And then a year and a half later, Austin Kim decided to to go to Chicago to to work for Newsy, uh, which is a it's a great uh, news organization up there. And uh, then I just really lucked out and got promoted to sports director. And uh, I've been very very lucky to 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 keep that role. And and uh, I feel like I've embraced that role. Uh, and then I met my wife, uh, who's from Jefferson City, and. Um, so now we're, we're shout out to Katie. Get shout it. out Katie, Katie Kaufman. It's, it's 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 still strange calling her Katie Kaufman. We've only been married for uh, for a couple months now, but uh, it, it's it's awesome to um, to have her. And uh, you know we're uh, we're mid Missourians now, and this is this is home. So uh, it's I never would have thought I grew up in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. I never would have thought I'd, I'd make my way to Missouri. Uh, but but here we are, and and I couldn't think of a better place to to live. So it's 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 a lot of fun. Maybe minus the weather. I mean, it's a little bit hotter in Phoenix. Well, today's great. You know, we're, we're, <laughs> today we, we should be doing this outside. Uh, but uh, yeah, not not a fan of the cold. More of a a hot person myself. But uh, you know, you can stay indoors, and I've gotten used to it. Yeah, I'm actually a big fan. Uh, big fan of the city of Phoenix. One of my favorite cities to actually visit. I got to do that in 2012. I haven't been there since then, but loved it. Loved it. it a little hot. Just got to get near the mist of downtown, but you're, you're good outside of that. Uh, so you took us through a little bit of your career. Just what's been your overall expectation of just or perception of just how Mizzou sports have kind of grown? You were there for the end of the Big 12 and the start of the SEC, and now kind of into whatever you would consider present day to be. Yeah. So <clears throat> I remember. You know, one of my first memories as a college student was was getting to to watch Mizzou play Kansas, and that, that's probably my fondest memory as a student is being in the stands watching uh, Mizzou beat Kansas in uh, in 2012. That, that's with, basketball with, in yeah. men's yeah. basketball. Yeah. I, I went to a couple of football games, but I'll be completely honest; I don't really remember a lot of them. I, uh, <laughs> at least those Big Twelve games. I'm saying my freshman year, and I think right. everyone will give me a pass for those. 2011 uh, was the year <laughs> after the Oklahoma upset. I'm trying to remember how that team did. I think they went to a bowl game. I think they lost to North Carolina in that bowl game that year in the Insight Bowl in El Paso. Sounds right? Or no? Uh, it was it was Tempe, the Shreveport. It, it was the Christmas game. Oh, okay. The I was going to I was, was going to guess Tempe, Arizona next. So, <laughs> no, because I was no. never year when they were there but yeah it was it was a treat port okay um but then i really started getting going with journalism i'd say like my sophomore year um and that's when i started really switching from you know being a fan to, to actually starting to cover these teams and uh the progression you know I've, I've gotten to cover a lot of great sports at mizzou uh when i was a student i got to cover you know the sec championship game i didn't get to go to the first one but i got to go to the second one uh not the auburn one but the one against alabama and um didn't go not, neither one went so hot for for mizzou but no. just the experience that i was able to get to go to atlanta was was something i'll never forget and uh i have got to cover a lot of great athletes uh you know Jaden cox uh is, is number one on my list of athletes that i've gotten to cover i'll never forget the uh when he moved up to heavyweight against cornell uh it, it was a wrestling duel in jesse hall and uh, it's not something that a lot of people, you know, yep. were put on the top of their, their, their Mount Rushmore of events that, you know, they've covered. But for me, you know, Jaden, you know, Mizzou was, was one of the best wrestling teams in the country. Jaden's obviously was a 197 pounder, but they moved him up to heavyweight because they needed the extra points. And he won on a, on a match-winning tech fall uh, against Cornell in Jesse Hall. So it's an electric atmosphere. There's not a lot of people. Uh, there's, you know, it feels like there's a lot of people, but there's really not because you're in Jesse Hall, which is a concert hall. Uh, Brian Smith's always so creative with where he, he gets these wrestling duels. But uh, I'll never forget that, that, that moment at, at Jesse Hall and the fact that it was just, it was just crazy. 
Um, did they, J- put, they put it on the stage, or did they clear out the bleachers? They put it on they... the stage, wow, yeah. Okay. And then Jaden, and then Jaden, when he won, he, he went, you know, around the crowd and high fiving everybody. And uh, it was crazy. It was a it was a wild, wild duel. Um, but yeah, Jaden up there, three time national champ, um, and then covering Sophie Cunningham, her entire career. That that was something that I'll never forget as well. Uh, and especially ending, culminating with that trip to. Uh, I was like Mizzou fans, you know, we, there was a lot of not so great stuff with the Mizzou basketball team in the, in the Kim Anderson years, but uh, still had some great moments. Kevin Perrier game winner in the, uh, the SEC tournament was, was up there. But uh, I think there's a lot more uh, good things ahead, especially for Mizzou football right now. Let's start there. I, what, what are your current impressions of Mizzou athletics? I mean, it just seems like to me that expectations and reality and perception and what makes the fan base happy and not happy might change per sport. And I, I don't think that's more clear than with what, how people react to drink with compared to console Martin. Yeah. Well, uh, right now I'd say things are, are very promising for, for the football team uh, with coach drink. coming off the five and five year uh, beating the defending national champs in, in LSU uh, and, and just, you know, kind of turning things around recruiting wise, getting guys that, that otherwise wouldn't have come to Mizzou and uh you know you're gonna have a, a quarterback in, in connor basilak who's you know coming off sec freshman of the year honors that you know is the presumed starter but you know it's kind of exciting because there's some guys behind him that could also make some noise as well uh you know i don't think you have a bad option at quarterback this year and uh just a lot of playmakers returning and uh you know coach drinkwitz is you know he's a great talker he I, I say he talks better than i do and uh this is what i get paid to do and so that's what says a lot about uh coach Drinkwitz and and his ability to to kind of connect with the fan base and, and when i've talked to certain athletes i just talked to bryce jackson from rockbridge the other day and and that's what he told me uh bryce jackson is going to walk on to mizzou he had offers to to play uh division one football on a scholarship but chose mizzou uh to walk on as preferred walk on over those just to play for coach Drinkwitz because he's a player's coach and he said that's every person's dream is to play for someone like coach Drinkwitz. so i think that says a lot when someone's gonna you know potentially could have had a, a full ride and decides to stay home to, to play for to play for a head coach i think it's worth mentioning those are fcs schools not fbs schools that he was talking division one right mm-hmm. just, yeah. just just to make the distinction like it's not like he was offered by i mean there's no other fbs school in the state of missouri it's not like he was offered. i'm trying to think of the closest arkansas state might be the closest fbs school technically distance wise it might be it still even be arkansas um but no actually it's probably iowa or iowa state anyway going on uh but you you just look at what coach drinkwitz is doing and I know you were there during the entire Barry Odom era, but take me kind of back to that transition. Was it like, okay, because I know there was a lot of, it was kind of really split to me down 50-50. It was half the fan base was like, Barry's got to go. This is not the right guy. Or it's like he deserves more of a chance. He hasn't had his fair shake. Where, where did you kind of stand on that? Well, you know, I, I it, it's tough because you could go either way. Barry Odom was, is a nice guy. He's a great guy. He's a, you know, he is Mizzou through and through. Um, I wouldn't com- quite compare him to Kim Anderson because, uh, you know, in the, I would compare him to the fact that they're both, you know, nice guys, both Mizzou through and through, true sons completely. Um, but Barry, I think, had a little bit more success than than, than Kim Anderson did. Uh, with yeah, the, that's <laughs> not hard to top, yeah. And, and Barry had some signature wins, uh, you know, that the Florida game stands out to me. Um, but I, I think what Jim Sterk, when he chose to, to make the decision that he did, he did it, you know, because just mediocre was no longer going to be enough for, for Mizzou football. And I think Mizzou fans got a taste those last few years of Gary Pinkle minus 2015 of what Mizzou could be if if you get the, the in-state guys, if you can, you know, make the most of these three stars, two stars. Uh, and that's that's what mizzou fans have come to expect is is what happened when the when mizzou made those back-to-back sec championship games and what they did at the chase daniel and, and blank gabbard so that i don't think jim sterk saw enough from barry odom's teams that made believe that they were going to get back to to where gary pinkle had the team and i don't know if that's you know, and, and I guess it all comes down to the head coach. You know, at the end of the day, would Barry Odom have turned things around? We'll, we'll never know. But 
I would say Barry Odom is would never do what Drinkwitz has done in this in this year and a half that, that Drinkwitz has been here. Yeah, it's interesting because I think one of the biggest parallels you already mentioned it is just how telegenic uh, Eli Drinkwitz is. And I'm not saying it's a requirement to be on the job. It's definitely not because you look at you know how anti-telegenic a guy like Dan Mullen is, to be honest, and how you know kind of dry at times Nick Saban is. But they're the two teams made the SEC championship game last year. But it's just so polarizing when you look at Barry, who his strategy when it came to being bombastic was kind of to close down and make sure that fans didn't think he was dumb based off of talking football when Drinkwitz doesn't mind being outlandish. And in this Twitter world and digital world, so many of what Drinkwitz said, especially during a pandemic when you're locked at home, I think he really leveraged the past year and a half. And I get, yes, winning cures everything. And I think some of what Conzo Martin has done has been just equally as powerful, even though he's more, a little bit more reserved with everything he's kind of talked about, about just off field stuff. And I think, you know, but it just, it's just, you can see just the character come out of Eli Drinkwitz and he does that. And his team goes two and eight. I don't think it connects as much. And he went five and five. And I think, you know, we'll see how long that continues. But I think, I think that you enter a really interesting period here for Mizzou football, where if this strategy works, We'll see if Drinkwitz might try and get poached by an even bigger program because what fan base fell or, you know, I don't know if it's imminent or anything like that, but, you know, I don't know what job Drinkwitz would even want to leave for because we're very much looking into the future. I just think you're entering, entering a period where there's drinks that I, I'm pretty sure they had under any time during Barry Odom. And so it's just going to be interesting to see how they pull. I don't think Mizzou fans holding their breath when you when you think about you know you finally get a coach and then potentially could could get poached away. But but one thing that that Drinkwitz has constantly said and that Mizzou fans should should realize is Mizzou's a good spot, and uh, Gary Pinkle proved that that this is a spot that you can go and you could spend the rest of your career here and have a lot of success. Now Gary never fully made it to the top, but if Drinkwitz stuck it out. Who's to say he couldn't? If he continues to pull in the talent that, that's coming in here, these the you know this record recruiting that he's that he's going on. Gary Pinkle did it with two and three stars. If if Drinkwitz can get the the four and potentially five star guys that we know are around here and are going to continue to be around here, who's to say that that he can't make that make that jump here? I don't know if Drinkwitz needs to go somewhere else now. You know the 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 pocketbook you know could could say otherwise if he got some some crazy offer but you know it, it's tough to tell but but i don't think Drinkwitz is even focused on that right now i think he's so locked into the process of what's going on here in columbia and the fact that he knows you know that if he loses more you know more games than he wins next year that, that this conversation completely flips because we know agree. that we know mizzou fans are uh you know are quick to flip sometimes on on, on what's going on and, and as we've kind of seen with with conzo martin and the basketball team just kind of depends on the day uh how how we feel about uh about the mizzou basketball team it seems and, and that's kind of where i wanted to take the conversation next is so just from our perspective and i think that being the experts on the situation gives us a different perspective than the average fan is that None of the five seniors were ever expected back, nor was Xavier Penson. So if you look at the other guys who entered the transfer portal in Ed Chang, Parker Brown, and uh, Torrance Watson, who are now at Elon, Santa Clara, and Ed Chang TBD, ha- was some of the outrage deserved or not completely deserved when you look at your cutting guys who are going to low D1 mid-major programs? And Ed Chang, who didn't play a single minute last year you, you were hoping to hang your hat on those guys going forward or have they upgraded here and maybe Conzo's sneakily done a good job at revamping this roster I, i'm very curious to see if they if they i don't know if it's sneakily or not but if he actually has made this team better you know when you lose xavier pinson you're, you're not getting better you're getting worse so we know in that regard they're they're going to be worse off without xavier pinson on the team um, but some of those other guys, it's not necessarily, you know, the, the end of the world that, that they're gone. Uh, Torrance Watson w- was very exciting his freshman year, but definitely leveled off the, these last couple of years. Uh, it's, you know, he's been a great teammate, and, you know, you can tell he's always upbeat on, on the sidelines, but just for, for whatever reason has not worked out on the basketball court. So I hope he finds success in, in, in wherever he goes next year. I think you said Elon. Is Elon, where, which is, is in the Colonial going. in yeah, North so, Carolina. I think he'll 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 do better there. 
but I, I'm really excited about what Conzo's, you know, he's got three guys that have come in and, and who's to say that, you know, he, he's got two scholarships open. So we'll see, you know, what he can do. Uh, that, that's why Conzo was brought here was to, to get those high level recruits that he's, that he's gotten previously. And, and Jalen Brown, you know, who's now the star of the Celtics, he got him to go to Cal. I mean, I think Mizzou fans are, and, and and I say that you know he he has had two five stars, technically maybe even three five stars if you count Jeremiah Tillman, depending on the rankings, with Jonte and Michael Porter and Jeremiah Tillman. So right. he has gotten elite talent to Columbia. Just unfortunately, we all know what happened there. Just not never never panned out. But uh, you know he's still got those two open scholarships left, and, and you got a guy like Deshaun Gordon from from Kansas State, who I think you know could be an explosive player uh, i'm most excited about boogie coleman i would say uh watching his tape you can tell that he is a scorer he's you know kind of you know d- different type of player than, than xavier pinson but at least he gives you that aspect of someone that can create their own shot uh sometimes i think he he takes a lot of shots <laughs> and i think mizzou fans will see that uh but uh he does put the ball in the basket uh he's he's scored 30 plus before in a basketball game and uh so i think you know, from him moving from Ball State over to Columbia, he's going to be more in the in the in the in the spotlight, and I, I we'll see if he either sink or swim when when he moved from Ball State to Columbia. Uh, and then Amari Davis from Green Bay obviously puts up a lot of points at Green Bay. Will he put up a lot of points at Columbia? That's to be seen as the competition definitely goes way up for him. So, well, time will tell <laughs> yeah. if if they've gotten better or not. Um, but I think that there's a chance that. Maybe, maybe not better, but pretty close to where they were last year. I think there's a chance. and I, But I think they need a couple more pieces, and then we'll see. You know, I think some of these freshmen are interesting, too. Anton Brookshire, you know, he's gotten a lot of accolades in high school. How is he going to translate to the SEC? Uh, so it's, it's, too, it's too early to tell. This is going to sound weird, but it's true. They're, I think they're a Jeremiah Tillman away from where they were last year. I think Boogie Coleman's kind of – Drew Smith – outplayed his hand his entire you know career here and that's a great sign of his ability and also Conzo's ability to to coach him up but you know you know you look at kind of the the losses and you know Conzo's really filled out his team with a lot of good possible scoring people or guards and then you have Kobe Brown at the four they're really a post player away from really filling out this roster and that's why when you have two scholarships left if one of those doesn't go to somebody who's going to be your main rebounder and low post scorer then we can really assess this team. And, you know, one of the two guys that I really thought would be home runs for Conzo to land in that aspect have both gone off the board. And Liam Robbins from Minnesota went to Vanderbilt. So I guess Stackhouse is doing a good job there. And then Christian Bishop decided not to go anywhere close to home and went to Texas under Chris Beard. So there are still good guys out there. I think that a fit guy, and that's what Conzo has really done in Columbia's entire time here, is let's get a guy who fits the culture more so than getting the best guy out there. And I think that's where, actually, unfortunately, Xavier Pinson actually was the exception that, rather than the rule. You look at how he played down the stretch, and you look how he played in that NCAA tournament game, and there's a lot to be said about whether Conzo was outcoached by Lon Kruger in that game, and he was. But you can make also make the argument that Xavier Pinson brought a little bit on himself, too. When you have one basket, and you're the main point guard in an NCAA tournament game, and you try the NBA-style you know, flop and throw up a three-pointer that just looks awful, like you need to do better than that. And I think that, you know, I think I think, I think think a nice parting or divorce or whatever you want to call it from the program is needed for the two of them. I think that maybe he weighed down a little bit more than he let on, even though his potential and you said it is worse without him, and that's absolutely correct. But I think that there was maybe some underlying things that might have never come to the surface of how he played that might have hurt the team. And unless you're going to be that Austin Reeves on the other side, I think is a good example, type of guy where you don't make mistakes or mental errors so you can allow for the missed shots and the creative errors, it doesn't work for you. And so I think that it'll, it's going to be really interesting to see how he does at LSU because he's going to have to need to be that not Pete Maravich, but he's going to need to be the Cam Thomas that just left right away over there for them to be successful next year. Yeah, well, Cam Thomas is. is uh, I, I'm not going to quite go there. That Xavier Pinson is that that level. Me of neither, scorer, but that's going to be the but, expectation. Yeah, and and you know, Will Wade is is a. You know, there's a lot, I could say a lot of things about Will Wade, but he, he does. 
you know, do a good job with, with talented players as we've seen over the years. And so we'll see what he can do with Xavier Pinson. and I'm excited for, uh, for Mizzou to go against him next year. That, I think that'll be fun. Let's kind of wrap up the conversation. We're with Andrew Kaufman of ABC 17. You lived in Columbia for a while. All right. Uh, best restaurant in Columbia. So, you know, Katie and I really like to go to D. Rose. I would say D. Rose is, is our top spot. Uh, we go there a lot, especially over the pandemic. We were getting takeout from there. It seemed like, you know, at least once a week. Yeah, no, I, I those wings are still as good as I remember. And then you get a chicken cheesesteak from there, too. is actually phenomenal, too. I miss eating there in person, getting the cookies afterwards. I miss that. I know it's only a lunch thing. Right, I, I, exactly. It's, uh, yeah, it's one of those uh, specialties that you don't know about unless you go there for lunch. And, uh yeah, I've had a lot of good cookies there. It's it's been a while since I've I've had one. I gotta I gotta get one again, for sure. And we'll end the conversation here. Just uh, you just said you're in Missouri through and through, and I know, but just kind of looking back on this, I guess you're now almost decade in Columbia. Crazy. Um, I think it's is it what is it 2021? Yep. It's been yeah. Decade. Favorite story you've reported on doesn't have to be Mizzou or favorite athlete you've covered. Anything come to mind when I say other those things? Well, Jaden Cox is the fav- is my favorite athlete I've ever gotten to cover, um, and it's not just Jaden, but it's just his entire family. Uh, they have been so so kind to me, and I'm forever thankful for their 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 just their kindness when i was a student um you know to trust me with you know you know telling stories on on Jaden and having that you know as as a reporter like when you're you know when you go into somebody's house and i I appreciate every single person that's ever allowed me to do this all the stories that i've covered um i'm always like so appreciative of just the the trust that you know that people have given me to tell their stories because i take that um i don't take that lightly um i'm that's why I love my job is, is to tell stories about people. They're not my stories. They're their stories. I'm just lucky enough to, to tell them and be in this spot to do that. Um, and Jaden is just an incredible, incredible athlete and an incredible, incredible person. And, you know, saying this now, I'm hopeful that, you know, I'm, I'm not 100% sure exactly what went down. I'm not sure anybody is 100% sure exactly what went down. I think the truth will come out at some point. Um, about what exactly went down with the Olympics, but uh, I know that Jaden is uh, one of the high, most high, high character per- people that I've ever met in my entire life. I agree with you there. So he's I, I was, kid. He's a, he's, I can't say kid. He's what? He's only a couple years younger than us. Yeah, I think he's yeah. twenty-four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot more accomplished than, than both of us, especially me. Um, with oh, then, then bo- both of us combined. <laughs> it's fun to go through all of them. Like three-time national champ, two, two-time world champ, Olympic bronze medalist. Uh, I always love to tell the story about how he saved a guy's life. Yeah, he did at, at the did. big tree uh, from a motorcycle accident. He was literally the you know first person on the scene, and he took his shirt off and he like you know wrapped it around the guy to stop the bleeding. And I remember I saw him in a Mizzou soccer game like a couple hours later, and uh, I was like, oh, what's 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 going on, Jaden? And he's like, oh, I just got blood on my shirt still. He's like, that's why I'm like, oh my goodness, like what what happened? And I think that same day is when he told me he won the Olympic bronze, um, you know, with a uh, with a, a knee injury, with a, a t- t- had a torn MC, not an meniscus. ACL. Yeah, meniscus. Yeah. yeah, he had the torn meniscus. He still won a bronze medal at the Olympics, which is just Ridiculous. absurd. I could not yeah. imagine the pain that he must have been going through. <laughs> and uh, and he's also just you know not just an athlete, but also an incredible singer and uh, play so many different instruments so i i don't think i'll ever meet a person like Jaden, um and his and his mom kathy and his, his dad mike are, are great people as well his sister kai and his, his his brothers as well uh just an overall fantastic family so Jaden, number one athlete uh you know i love the cunninghams as well and, and they've been you know just as kind <laughs> so it's tough to single out actually every every single person that i've covered but uh for sure yeah, it's just been it's been great, and I've been really lucky to to meet so many talented uh, and and great people here. It's uh, you know, like I said, never thought I would be in Columbia this long, but it is it is now home. So crazy to say. So it's, I don't think we've actually talked about this on the podcast before. I let you go. Is that what happened with Jaden? So um, he either missed weight or just didn't weigh in at all during the Olympic trials. Was told the wrong time and has been appealing and. I, I, let's be real. I don't see a way they overturned because they went on with the tournament already, which means Jaden won't be competing in the 2020 Olympics in 2021 in Tokyo. Um, 
And so the weird thing about that is I wrote a story about it where we quoted a guy who covered it for the USA Today Network in the story and just basically took his interview from NBC Sports Network and put it in there. And like one of the things that I had always kind of an unwritten kind of a success story with me at the Tribune is like my first week at the Tribune was the Jamboree in 2018 with Hickman and Battle Rock Bridge and Jeff City at Hickman in 2018. And that was my most view, read story ever at the Tribune ever. 16,000 views overnight. Just got, Every team looked great. And I'm like, that's never going to be broken ever. When I wrote the story about Andy Reid, when he made the Super Bowl before they beat San Francisco two years ago, or I guess two seasons ago now, that got like 12,000. Like, oh, that's the closest I'm ever going to get. Jaden Cox got 23,000 views overnight. Just that story, it took me 20 minutes to write. Just crazy how interested people are in that story of how rare it is. And so, yeah. Might have to wait until I don't know where the next Summer Olympics are. Actually, wouldn't it, it wouldn't it be uh, three years? I believe. Where where is the twenty twenty four games? I can't think of where it is off the top of my head. Neither can I. I think it might be Paris. I, I might be completely dodging that. I might, <laughs> I might have to look it up. But where can people find you online? Where can people listen to the uh, broadcasts and everything? Get your uh, plug in social media in here. Yeah. So uh, follow me on the tweets at Andrew ABC seventeen. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm. Uh, Obviously, on every single night, the most important thing to do is, is to watch ABC 17 and Fox 22. I'm on around 624 at 6 o'clock Mondays uh, through Friday for the most part. We got our Sunday show uh, as well. Um, our Sunday show is 930 on, yeah, 930 on Fox 22, 1030 on ABC 17. I'm also on at 9 and 10 at night. Follow Natalie Jones as well, our, our weekend sports anchor. She does a great job. Um, so together we are the ABC 17 Sports Department with our intern Daniel King, Danielle King as well. So uh, all three of us, we, we try to do the best we can to get to everything we possibly can. Send us your story ideas. We love telling stories. So uh, I appreciate the time and let me do my spiel here. Hopefully I didn't sound too uh, too uh, long-winded. Yeah, I was trying to think of the times that you guys have had me on since you know I started here at the Tribune, and I, I think I counted five or six. It's been it's been great. You know always happy to do it i think the only time i ever couldn't do it was when i was literally on a flight when tyler texted me that hey we, could you do it in the next couple hours i'm like well i'm currently flying to maryland right now sorry i can't do it but hey, nowadays uh, you probably could we could have probably got you on zoom zoom well, 30, 36,000 feet in the air maybe yeah, i don't know anything's possible these days i feel like i feel like we've really i've especially learned to adjust with uh, all sorts of different techniques so yeah that, that's that, that's been great well thank you so much andrew for yeah, helping helping and being my special guest this week much appreciate thank you man absolutely thanks for having me we would like to thank our sponsors for the columbia daily tribune's mizzou sports podcast university of missouri healthcare university of missouri healthcare is proud to be the official sponsor of mu athletics blue events let blue create the perfect event their passion for food, service, and presentation ensures that you will have a seamless and memorable event, no matter the size. They will work with you to bring your vision to life. Phyllis Nichols, State Farm Insurance. There when things go wrong, here to help life go right. The Mizzou Sports Podcast is brought to you by Zaxby's, the home of handmade-to-order chicken, salads, and more than a dozen mild-to-wild sauces. Stop by your neighborhood Zaxby's today. Follow Mizzou football with the Tribune's Tiger Extra newsletter. Sign up at ColumbiaTribune.com slash Tiger Extra for stories, galleries, and podcasts in your inbox every Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now, back to the show. And thank you once again to Andrew Cox for joining us on this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast. Definitely great to have him on. And I know we've been doing a little bit of a kind of a game kind of not with Langston over the past couple weeks as to name that tune with who we have coming out of the break you didn't hear it so I'm gonna play it live for him and see if he can guess it this week are you ready Langston ready as I'm ever gonna be all right if this isn't love uh by a new edition yeah yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> I thought we'd go two for two with New Edition and see how it goes. He got it right away. Yep. <laughs> didn't, didn't even have to hear the lyrics. That's pretty good. Yeah. Some music I, I grew up listening yeah. to. I, I thought maybe I'd catch you with going New Edition to and we're like, what do you really do New Edition to again? But you knew, I saw your eyes light up. You, you knew it straight away. So did, didn't catch him. Uh, maybe we'll try to keep doing that again until the ball season happens. But uh, now getting back at, into actually the Mizzou talk here. 
Uh, we'll switch, kind of jump around uh, to the non-football sports, and we'll definitely keep you updated with where everybody goes in the NFL draft. But which of the other Mizzou sports, maybe one that's in season or not, do you want to talk about next? I mean, the logical destination is Missouri softball with a chance with uh, number three Florida coming in town to really kind of lock up a position to host a regional this year. Yeah, the, they took two of three from then number eight Arkansas in Fayetteville. So they have one, I guess, two more series on the year. One at home, one away. Home to number three, Florida, and then on the road against the team that right now is number 18 in the country in Tennessee. But that'll probably change one way or another by the time they go to Knoxville next weekend. Just what have you been your impressions of Missouri softball? I mean, this is a team that this time last year didn't know if they were going to make or even be eligible for a postseason. Now they're really in a spot to host a regional for the first time, I think, since 2016, if not 17 for this program. And they haven't advanced since it was that year where they were the number 15 team overall. And so it must have been 16 because it was the final year of the old Stadium University field um, where they were in a regional with BYU, Nebraska, and one other that they didn't face and did not allow a run. And then they went to number two, Michigan, and then lost. Lursa Anderson has done, and I believe this is her third year, has been incredible turning this program around. And, and something that I noticed when she was first hired, and you know, I hate to bring up Barry Odom again, she's the complete opposite when it comes to social media and when it comes to just the emotion that she seems to pour into this program, whether that's on the field and her quotes talking after the game or on social media. She was all in from day one. And I, something that I found really, really interesting and your story about them beating uh, Arkansas and Fayetteville this weekend, you know, quote from her, the big thing is that we need to be in every single conversation. And a lot of times we're left out. Missouri softball has a chance to really notch themselves in the national conversation with a win in a series against Florida this weekend and hosting that regional like you're talking about. This program has completely flipped in the last three years. What, what is it where we always seem to get, get go back to Barry Odom here? I, 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 I don't know. Just, just it is. It, I can't help myself. I, I see a chance to take a dig at Barry, and I'm like, I've got to do it. I've hopefully, got to hopefully do he it. never listens to this because <laughs> I covered him, and he's he's a nice guy. He's a good guy, and he probably doesn't get his fair credit for what he did at Missouri. But anyway, but more importantly, more importantly, kudos to Larissa. Yeah. Kudos to Larissa, and you know, being 34 and 11, being number 15th in the NFCA poll this year. I mean, it's with a couple wins against Florida. They can really wrap this up, be top 16, and get that regional. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, there was no public notice of it, but uh, the 20 schools that could possibly host a regional were notified on Monday. If the NCAA left Missouri off when they were ranked 19 coming into the weekend and then beat the number eight team twice in a row, I don't know. Maybe those people in Indianapolis have it out for Mizzou, but we don't know for sure. But we, that Missouri has to be one of those 20 schools. Has to, absolutely has to be, and especially because one of the biggest advantages to being Missouri is that you have a stadium that only opened four years ago. And if, if they want to display that, there's a lot of rickety old stadiums around the country. Missouri has one that is, you know, that is younger than some of the players who are still on the team in terms of their longevity at Missouri. There are some players who have been there since the opening of the stadium. So uh, we'll keep you updated with that. Uh, Florida, the game is Friday night, Saturday afternoon, I think Sunday morning. I think it's an 11 a.m. first pitch. Uh, and then Missouri's in a pretty good spot. I think the SEC tournament this year, I think, is in Tuscaloosa, I want to say. Uh, so definitely in a good spot. They're definitely in the NCAA tournament. It's just now more a matter of whether they're hosting or they're going to be on that figurative two line or or so. Baseball lost to Kansas State yesterday. They're, I think, 12th out of 14 in the SEC, and only the top 12 teams make the SEC tournament. They're kind of fighting for their rest of their season they still got some tough tests to go but still have some opportunities too they're kind of be floating right around there the rest of the year so it's definitely not been a great year for Beezer and company who are hovering right around i think a 300 win percentage but uh they got a young team and they had a lot of talent get drafted and will be drafted as of late, lately so this kind of happens in college baseball especially with the fluctuation of his roster where you know these high highs and low lows kind of come in now moving over to wrestling uh langston when you got here at missouri i think it was what 2015 2016 2016 so missouri was already gone from the big 12 at that time it was still weird to me who came here and moved here in 2018 to see that mizzou logo attached with uh you know any missouri symbol but missouri wrestling has moved back to the big 12 would be competing again in the in a much better conference let's call, let's call a spade a spade than the mac even though the mac has some good teams missouri going nine for nine and really dominating the conference every year since they joined 
This is one thing that will help a program probably the closest to winning a national title of any Missouri program to get to that hump. And that's, there's still several moves to go because Iowa's going to be retooled next year. Penn State's going to be retooled next year. Wisconsin's going to be there. Just to, That's just the sport they're in. But this was a calculated move from Steve Beezer and company to get on the next right track with their entire lineup coming back. What was kind of your thought when you saw Big when, 12 happening? So, you know, there was that mysterious press release that, you know, Mizzou Athletics is going to have an announcement at 3 p.m. I believe it was last Thursday. And I was kind of racking my brain. I was like, you know, they're not going to do this over some football or basketball recruit. Maybe Conzo is getting his extension. Ah, seem, that doesn't seem likely. Then they announced this, and my first thought was Missouri had outgrown the MAC. It had completely dominated for almost a decade. And you're getting back to to a better conference. And, you know, Missouri wrestling is the best sport here at Missouri, if you want to be completely honest. The, the closest sport to winning a national championship, like you said. And this is just another boost to a team and a program that is already recruiting well, has already had multiple All-Americans, local All-Americans, if you want to talk about, you know, Jay Nyerman's here and other kids that have come from the Tolton Path line straight to Mizzou. So it's it's just a, another step in the right direction for a program that seems to be leading this university. Yeah, Brock Muller is one of the kids you're forgetting. And then Mr. Jaden Cox as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think they've had a battle or a Rockford wrestler on, this, on the team in a little while, uh, maybe ever with battle. But hopping over quickly to men's basketball, uh, no more recruits have been signed. We, I knew we were at 11 for a while, and we're still at 11. Uh, you think that a big man is kind of probably the next priority for this team, still is. Uh, the two targets that I kind of identified as players for Missouri have both recru- uh, gone elsewhere. Liam Robbins committed, as I said, during the conversation with Kaufman to Vanderbilt, and then Christian Bishop went to Texas. Uh, in addition, Tamar Bates went to Indiana, uh, had a long list of suitors, probably was never going to come to Missouri because of the same reason he was committed to Texas, but now is going to go play in the Big Ten. Uh, for women's basketball, the first sign of expectations for them kind of got revealed earlier this week. ESPN bracketologist Charlie Cream released his way too early 2022 NCAA tournament projections, and Missouri was a number 10 seed, I think going to, uh, where is NC State? Raleigh uh, for that, facing South Dakota in the first round. So definitely, you know, a, time, you know, just a change with the program because you look at what Asia Blackwell and Haley Frank coming back another year with a lot of returning cast coming back. It's not hard to see this team kind of vaulting up the SEC this season and getting, you know, back into the NCAA tournament. I know we had Kim Mulkey return to the, uh, sorry, just come to the SEC, return to her home state, become the head coach at LSU, leaving Baylor. Just where do you think kind of Missouri women's basketball lies in the SEC right now, Langston? Yeah, it's it. It was interesting to see uh, Charlie Kareem's you know, way too early to have them forecast in uh, in the NCAA tournament because when you look at the team this year, they were a few pieces away. And, and you know, we talked a lot, a lot about this during the season. It was just kind of the growing team, growing pains that a young team has to go through. So you're you're forecasting, you're projecting them to take that next step next year. And the SEC is always going to be a, a great conference when it comes to women's basketball. So it is going to be tough, but it'll be interesting. I, I see them kind of on the cusp fighting for that. I I definitely don't see them as a you know a lock the way we felt about Mizzou men's basketball through the middle of this year. Sounds good. And one one kind of final thing before we get rid of, uh, get off the air this episode, uh, Eli Drinkwitz was announced that he is going to be the last speaker at SEC Media Days. Mizzou, I think the past couple of years, had gone first of the 14 teams. Now he goes from first to the first time being there to 14th. He'll be speaking on Thursday, July 22nd. Uh, it's, it's actually a week later uh, this year for SEC Media Days. So definitely that's kind of the start of the quote-unquote start of the football season. Uh, I remember I think the date was February, it's not February, July 13th during Barry Odom's last year. So definitely a lot of a move back, and it's it'll be nice to get back to Hoover. That was kind of my first true foray on the Mizzou football beat two years ago, and so to get back there will be a lot of fun. It'll be hopefully a lot safer COVID-wise than it was two years ago when the SEC was bragging that it had more reporters covering its media days than any other. I think there were 900 credential media members, and I'd say probably about, let's call it, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be nice here. Let's call it, let's call it 150 had a legitimate purpose in being there. Um, and, I, and I think I'm being nice with 150. You're looking at just the core staff of who covers these kids. 
I think 150 might be actually overshooting it, but let's call it 150 to 200 just to be fair, considering I'm sure the beats at maybe Alabama or Auburn show out a little bit more because they're closer in uh, to Birmingham than, you know, say a Fayetteville or a Columbia, Missouri is. But that, that's just, I guess, me having a little bit of sour grapes, right? I, mean, I don't know. You, you enjoy the 950 people coming to, to talk to Kel Garrett about, about his pajamas? Well, let me tell you, the SEC it is the premier uh, conference and college football it's what moves the needle um, and you can tell that by ESPN really getting the rights to those games from CBS in the past year um, I was just excited when, to see the announcement that it's going to be in person and it's it's one more step to normalcy I know for you being able to actually go to Hoover no more Zoom meetings you'll be able to be probably not face to face but as, as, as close as they'll let you with social distancing and masks and things of that nature and I'm excited because we're that much closer to a college football season with fans in the stands and getting back to some type of normalcy. So, okay, I'll, I'll put you on the spot here. And I know that uh, usually with how it works, maybe, maybe you know, they, we get three players per school. If you had to pick right now, who are the three players representing Missouri at, in Hoover? If you had to pick as of right now. I have my three in my head that I think are going to be there. So, Basilak is a lock. Okay. Um, backup running back from last year. He's now our starter. Beatty. Excuse me, Beatty. Tyler Beatty is that. And then um, safety out of Rockbridge. I'm blanking on these kids' Marquez names. Manuel. You're putting me on the spot. But, yes, Manuel, Beatty, and Bazelak. That would be my three. I think you missed on one of the three. I don't think it's going to be Tyler Beatty. I think it's going to be Case Cook instead of him. That's as the returning team captain. I think that's going to be a lock. And I think I think that that's the only shift. I think I think the you know Trinkets will want to go one, at least one offense, one defense, unless maybe he does Cook, Beatty, and Manuel. I, I just can't see, or maybe maybe he leaves Bazelak home. I, it'll be interesting, but I think really we've narrowed it down to the four that it's going to be on defense. If it's not. Uh, Manual, maybe a Chris Turner returning. I mean, maybe a Devin Nicholson. Uh, outside of that, maybe a Jarvis Ware if he's healthy. But that's really, I mean, I think we've narrowed it down to kind of those players who are going to be play a premier role. Maybe a Barrett Bannister, too, if you're really looking for more people on offense. But that would be it. So, yeah. So I, I think I'll lock in my final three right now. My guess of Bazelak, Cook, and Manual. You're going with Bazelak, Beatty, and Manual. Yep. All right, we'll see who is right in a couple months down the line. They don't announce that until early July, so it's going to be at least probably three months until we know who's right. But, but no, I mean, who's 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 counting? You know, uh, it, it'll be here as sooner than than you think. I hope I hope not, because I'm really enjoying just kind of laying low after a crazy crazy year. But football is definitely the most fun time of the year to be on the beat. But yeah, just kind of enjoying a little bit of a more low key thing now. But before we go, anything else you want to talk about, Langston? Or are we good? Uh, I think we're good. Uh, last thing I guess I'll mention is uh, for Mizzou fans who still follow their players and and um, the NFL, Drew Locke seems to be having a QB competition with uh, Teddy Bridgewater with the Broncos trading for a six-round pick for him today. And I'm excited to see what the future holds in, in Denver because I personally don't think it's Drew Locke. But we'll see if uh, Bridgewater, who's a quarterback who doesn't turn the ball over, uh, see if that kind of moves the needle. At least John Elway didn't come out and give a Kyle Shanahan type of answer to, can you see Jimmy Garoppolo being on this roster for the next week? And then well, we, I don't, all, we I don't, all be dead. Maybe we'll, maybe, we don't know if we're all going to be alive by Sunday. <laughs> and I just like, oh my gosh. Okay, well, that's not really a confidence booster there for Jimmy Garoppolo. That sounds like a man who knows he's going to take Mac Jones, who knows that he's the least talented QB out of the top five that everyone seems to be thinking that will go in the first round, and he doesn't care. I'm going to call they're going Trey Lance there. They're not going to go Mac Jones there. And hopefully that means the Redskins are not going to take Mac Jones because they love their Alabama players or the Washington football team. Anyway, who's your favorite team again? Saints. The Saints, who are one of the other teams linked with Nick Bolton. So maybe he'll go there. Or maybe they need another quarterback besides Taysom Hill. And they'll go Justin Fields. Who knows? Uh, but for Langston Newsom, I've been Eric Long. Thank you for listening to this week's Mizzou Sports Podcast, and we'll see you next time.